Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. We know the numbers are important when it comes to COVID. Locally, there are 929 cases. There have been three deaths. Globally, there are 854,039 cases. Today, though, I'm going beyond the numbers. I think few of us have actually heard an actual person's experience with the virus and how it feels to be down with COVID or recovering from it. I'm glad to Welcome to Influence Hugh Mason. He's a 53-year-old adjunct associate professor at the National University of Singapore's Faculty of Engineering, currently at a quarantine facility, which she has been moved to from Singapore General Hospital following treatment after a COVID-19 positive diagnosis. And he joins us live on the phone now. I'm going to try not to ask him too many questions so he can rest. Welcome to the show, Hugh. How are you this morning? Thank you. I'm, I'm feeling really surprisingly well. I just feel incredibly blessed. I've had this very, very mildly. You know, in the hospital, I was aware that there were people much worse affected than me, and I'm just incredibly grateful to everyone at MOH and SGH and um, and the nurses who looked after me. Um, everyone looked very simply to I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for better care. Well, great to hear that you're feeling better. Listen, we all want to know how COVID compares with the flu in your experience. You said, you know, you got a mild case of it, but how does it compare with the flu? Yeah, it was so weird. And the, and the nurses tell me this is one of the problems. Is it does feel like ordinary flu. And that's what my doctor thought I had. <clears throat> then I read about this thing where some people lose their sense of smell. My wife was peeling an orange the other side of the table, and I thought, that's weird. You, know, you normally can smell an orange if someone peels it in the room, right? Mm. And uh, I just couldn't smell it at all. She put it right under my nose. and I, I could taste the sweetness of it, but I couldn't smell it. So I went back to the doctor, and that was the cue for him, you know, my local GP, to, to send me for the test. And, um, yeah, so very, very strange. And I had to say the scariest part was actually when the, the ambulance guy arrives at the door. You, know, you open the door of the apartment and there's this person dressed up like a kind of zombie movie, you know. <laughs> and then they kind of, and then they, the, the lift comes to the floor and the door is open and there's someone in there and they say like, excuse me, I must, can you take over this lift? Please me to everything. Wow, there's someone looking really scared in the lift who comes out. Well, um, my contagion fears come into life <laughs> right there. Exactly. But actually once I was inside the hospital, it was, um, you know, everyone's incredibly kind and friendly. Um and um, and just as a great, really great care. So take us on this timeline. Help us understand the timeline. You had a cold on March the tenth, a fever yeah, I, March twenty second. When do I you lose? When do you lose your 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 sense of smell? Smell. So um, I actually also had uh, I had some digestive problems too. I don't know how much detail you want to go into here, but I had diarrhea as well on the um, uh, uh, starting fairly early on, and then actually I lost my sense of smell about a week into. Um, it was um, that was when uh, I had uh, uh, that, that experience with the orange that I just described. So, so around the time that you had a fever, you're losing your sense of smell. That's right. That's right. And uh, uh, and that was the sort of the peak of it for me. Um, and after that, it, um, it, uh, it 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 seemed to get better fairly quickly. And I apologise. I think I have a nurse who's called at the door, Michelle. It couldn't have been a worse possible time. Oh, um, but gosh. I believe I have to have a swab test right now. The, the deal is I get a swab test every four days, and it's my cute. It's the thing that may get me out of here. So All if you right. don't mind, I, sh- I should probably go and take that. I'll let you have your swab test, and we might check in with you in just a bit because we've got about 500 Please, more questions yeah. for you. <laughs> All, All right. right. All, right. All right. We'll leave you to it there. No worries. But this is life uh, as a recovering COVID 
patient Hugh Mason there. And we're going to check in with him. I want to find out a little bit more about the testing process and everything that he's been feeling. And what does this day consist of? Imagine that March 10th, he has a cold a fever March 22nd, around that time, he's losing his sense of smell. But we understand that he is just beginning to smell and is saving an orange to test for us in just a while. We'll check in with Hugh in just a bit. I've got Hugh Mason back on the line with us, our recovering COVID-19 patient. We're getting a sense of what it actually feels like to have COVID. He had to drop off for a, a swab test a while ago. And how did that go, Hugh? It's kind of strange. They stick this little kind of brush down your throat. I'm lucky so far for me, it's been down my throat, not in my nose. It's not, it's not horrible. It's just not pleasant at all. And um, uh, they have to get a sample to go and check whether there's the DNA from the virus in there. So, um, yeah, it doesn't take very long. You know, when I see pictures of um, healthcare workers doing the swab test, either up the nose or down the throat, I always think, why can't they just hand the thing over to you and you do it so that it doesn't endanger them? I mean, is it, would it be something difficult for an individual to self-administer? Yeah, it would, I think, because if you put it down your throat, it actually makes you gag. It, and, and you have to get it sort of right down there where the infection is. So it's something... Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a really, um, uh, maybe if you're a nurse or something, you could do it on yourself, but I don't think I could do it on myself. Again, another reason to salute healthcare workers for getting so close up. Totally. Do, do that every yeah. couple of hours? Does that happen exactly. a few hours? Um, they, well, in the hospital, they do it once every day, uh, sorry, every other day. Um, and um, in the quarantine centre at the moment, they do it once every four days. Uh, and if you get a, a, neg- a positive result, they don't test for another four days. If you get a negative result, they come back the next day. And you need to score two negatives in a row to get out. So that's that's how you get out of quarantine. Have you got a negative um, yet? No, I have not. So um, I still have the virus, even though I just have a very mild cough. Still aiming for those two negatives. All right. Is this day five for you as COVID-19 positive? Uh, day six, I think now. Yeah. Day six. And have you got your sense of smell back? It's just starting to come back. So one of the things I'm really grateful, the, the, the hospital gave me an orange. So I'm kind of saving up for later on today. If my wife comes in uh, and is able to join me in the room where I'm staying, um, I'm going to have this kind of ceremony when I kind of peel the orange and see if I can smell it. Because <laughs> that, that was the moment, you know, peeling an orange when I realized I got this thing. So I'm, I, hope, I, I hope it's coming back. So we've I, seen pictures of these quarantine facilities with sea views and, you know, it all looks kind of cushy. Um, how would you describe your living conditions? So where I moved yesterday was actually to the resort um, next to Wet Wild Wild Wet in Passeris. So I think they've taken over the whole facility here. Um, And um, I do have a balcony, which is fabulous because I can feel the sunshine and, you know, smell the trees when my sense of smell comes back. But I can't use any of the, I can't leave the room. So it's actually not like being on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) So bizarre. It's so close yet so far, right? You can see the pool and all that and smell the sea breeze. But there is a pathway outside. I have a friend who's going to come by later on and she says she's going to wave at me on her morning run because the pathway on the East Coast part runs, you know, the Asterisk part runs right past. So oh, that's great. That. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Listen, you've lost your sense of smell, but have you lost your sense of taste at all? No, I can still taste sweet and sour. I think, uh, as I understand it, those flavors you kind of taste on your tongue. So that's okay. But the, I was trying to look at this up online and it seems like the scientists are still researching it, but it, it, it sounds like this tiny, tiny 
uh, virus particle. I don't know if you know this thing is like one five hundredth of a human hair's width. It, you could line up five hundred viruses side by side, and they would still only be the width of a human hair. Wow. And this thing somehow has this little, you know, those spiky bits. They mm. show the blob with a spike. Yeah. Apparently, those little spike things sort of stick into the to the sense uh, your smell receptors or something in your nose, something like that, and it kind of blocks off your your sense of smell. So I'm hoping it won't be permanent. I mean, obviously, I enjoy smelling things. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Usually. do you know what you've been treated with? Have they explained to you what they're using? Yeah, for me, it was just, just cough syrup, you know, that pink cough syrup. Um, actually, I was hoping I would get, you know, that African sea coconut one. I always like the sound of that one because it sounds so exotic, like African, especially when I'm stuck in a room like this, the idea of an African sea coconut kind of out there on the sea traveling would be great, you know. But anyway, no, I have a pink pink cough syrup. So that That's seems to it. Be working. Pink cough syrup. Yeah. That's it. That's it for me, um, I guess, because I don't have anything more serious. No antiviral drugs or anything like that. So when you were in the hospital at SGH, so you're warded, you have a fever back then. Is that that why you were warded? um, They warded me because I tested positive. Um, And I I think, in all honesty, I was warded for two reasons. My guess is partly because I was infectious for other people and there are vulnerable people out there who are, you know, far more threatened. I'm really lucky. I didn't have underlying health conditions. I didn't have... It's seriously, um, but if I had developed that after a few days, then I would have been in exactly the right place because they have the ICU like literally down the corridor. And I, you know, and I, I do know when I was in the in the ward, nurses were telling me that there were you know other patients who were in varying conditions. Um, uh, so uh, I feel just very lucky. So you're from the UK originally, Hugh. You're a UK mm. citizen. You've been PR here since 2013. What mm. strikes you about how COVID is being dealt with? Because you have experience with both healthcare, healthcare systems, and we've all mm. been reading about the struggle in the UK. So what strikes you about how COVID is being dealt with here in Singapore versus the UK? I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, the experience of SARS must have prepared you know, Singapore really, really well. It's clear that the guys at every level from the way that the kind of the quarantine people have been organized to the way that, you know, the way that the tracing is being done. These guys have been rehearsing for this for years. You know, there's been civil servants working on this, knowing that this is coming. And I, I think that is, um, it's a fantastic thing. I also think um, it's, there's a cultural aspect to this, which is that, um, you know, Brits tend to laugh about stuff and not take stuff ter- terribly seriously. And there's a big, strong sense of individualism in the West. Mm. Here, I think people have been much more willing to comply with the sensible instructions they've been given. And that's going to protect us all, ultimately. So it's one of those things where it's partly cultural. And the other thing is it's, it's not politicized here. You know, the resources we have are being used very wisely, whereas I think in the UK, for example, Prince Charles got tested and a bunch of people said, well, why is he getting a test when doctors aren't getting tests? You know, obviously the answer is getting tested because he's the heir to the throne, you know, and if the queen pops off, then mm-hmm. he's going to have to take over. But but people are asking themselves, well, who's, who's getting tests, who's not? <clears throat> Whereas here, um, although the tests are expensive, someone was telling me that they're about $1,800 a pop, apparently. That's what I've been told. And um, so the government's making a huge investment and it's all here to keep us all safe. And um, and, and that isn't being done in the West. So. 
Well, we wish you all the best for your recovery. Great to hear you laughing and, and speaking and, you know, sounding up upbeat because when I read about you coming down with COVID, I was worried. So we hope uh, all the Thank best you. for you and, and we hope that sense of smell comes back soon. I appreciate it and good luck and stay safe, everyone listening. Thank you very much. That's Hugh Mason there, uh, my guest on Influence, 53 years old, recovering from COVID-19. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.